now is a good time to, to just let that be whatever it was and, and walk out of here free today. We are going to wrap up this series that we have been in since Easter Sunday. Um, but please don't mishear me, okay? For a long time to come, we are going to continue to emphasize in this house that we believe, very important, we still serve the same God today that we read about in Scripture, okay? I refuse to pastor a people that only believe in parts of God's Word. If you only believe in parts of God's Word, it will not be that I didn't give my all to convince you that all of it was true. So we will continue to emphasize way beyond this series. We'll be going next week into a, our summer series, Summer on the Mount. We're going to have a lot of people away throughout the month of June and July. I get that. I say travel, vacation, just vacation with Jesus. Travel and vacation, just vacation with Jesus. Okay. Don't leave him here. You're not taking a vacation from Jesus. You're taking a vacation with Jesus. That means when you go on vacation, stay in the spirit, not stupid. I'm trying to help you because people don't go on vacation in the spirit. They go on vacation in stupid. That's what we do. So I just want to set you free. And don't rob God to pay for your vacation. I can't emphasize that one. <laughs> Luke chapter 16. Let me get into this message today. I want to preach a message today. I felt like very simply the Lord told me to preach called Come Alive. Come Alive. Luke chapter 16. Jesus told this story to his disciples. Okay. And I, I want you to, to put yourself in that place. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, perk up, bump the sleepy people, tell them to go get some coffee. And imagine with me that you are standing in a circle with Jesus, okay? I even, I, I left my beard longer this, I wanted to trim, I left it longer. I wanted to grow my hair out, but it's just not happening because it does like this. So imagine with me, Jesus is speaking to you, okay? And all eyes are on the Savior. And he's having a personal conversation with you. He's telling you a story because this is what he's doing with the disciples that he is surrounded by. So they're all gathered like you're gathered and they're listening to him speak. And this is what he says. So there was a certain rich man who had a manager handling all of his affairs. He had somebody in charge of all of his stuff. And one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. His manager was wasting what he had given him. So verse two, so the employer, the rich man, called him in and said, what is this I hear about you? What are you doing? In other words, then he says, get your behind in line. That's what he, I mean, that's what he says. Get your order, get your report in order. No, no, no. He's telling, get your tail in gear. Sweet Jesus. There he is, right there. You need to get your junk right. That's what he's saying. Or, because, if you don't, you're going to be fired. Like, 
Jesus said, hey, this is your warning. Isn't it fun to be a disciple of Jesus, right? And they heard Jesus say that, and they didn't even look for another church that afternoon. It was great. <laughs> Jump with me down to verse 10. Jesus continuing to speak to his disciples just like this. So with that story in mind, if you are faithful in little things, then you will be faithful in large ones. So you're not the person that goes, ah, oh, that doesn't really matter. We just need to take care of the big things. No, no, no. If you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest when nobody's looking, if you are dishonest when nobody's probably going to find out in the little things, then you won't be honest with the greater things or the greater responsibilities. Verse 11, Jesus just won't quit. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, and we ask this question as a staff, are we worthy of trust? Like, can God trust us? Because we're, we, we have proven to ourselves in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are worthy of trust. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, then who will trust you with true riches of heaven? You know what true riches of heaven are? Some of you already know, some of you. The true riches of heaven, what is eternal and not temporary? It's people. And that's what we ask our staff and ourselves. Can God trust us with people? Can he send us true riches I'm not talking about the person that we're praying for to pay off our legacy fund in every area so that we can continue to receive legacy fund and continue to build more and grow more and do more for the sake of the kingdom of God. I will never be done as long as God has me alive on this earth. I'll always be thinking, God, what do you want to do next? I will, hear me, I will never burn a mortgage from this pulpit. Never. I will not burn a mortgage and go, oh, we got it paid off. Now we're free of debt. No, no, no. We owe Jesus everything. We will never be free of debt. When we get one paid, we got another one in waiting because God is never finished doing what he wants to do. Can he trust me? Can he trust us with heaven's treasure? Verse 12, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, like are you one of those people that kind of takes it for granted because it's not yours? I mean, it's not my house. Like you go into a hotel room, you start doing things that you would have never done at your own house. Like you go in a hotel room, like, hey, hey. My kids aren't even there. I'm like, come on, baby. It's not mine. Hey. Yeah, we need a new room. This bed is a uh, malfunction. It's defective. If you're... If you are not faithful with other people's things, like God's, then why should you be trusted with things of your own? Then why would he give you something else? My son is still learning this lesson. My bro can tear stuff up, y'all. It's a gift. If there's anything wrong with it, he can finish it off. Verse 13, verse 13. No one can serve two masters. 
For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, sir. You cannot, America, hear me. You cannot. It's not like a faithful in little or faithful in some and neglect the rest. You cannot. These are the words of Jesus. Serve God and, now the New Living Translation says, be enslaved to money. That's actually not a great translation. And most English translations do not do a good job with this. You have to go back to the original language to understand the full context of this passage. You cannot serve God and mammonas or mammone, which is wealth, success, promotion, net worth. You cannot serve your value and God's value. You have to choose. Okay, I'm about to set some of you free, set you at ease. This message is not about money. I'm gonna help some of you even more. We are not receiving an extra offering for anything today. So if you're a guest with us, this preacher is not money hungry. I say this all the time. If I was in money, if I was money hungry, I'd still be living in North Louisiana with my family, making a whole lot more money than I am right now. That has nothing to do with this. However, I am concerned that more people are enslaved to mammon than confess or realize that they are. And here's how you can tell. What do you truly find your security in? When you're stable and happy and content, what is the cause? Probably would be easier to ask this in Africa than in America. Maybe in the slums of Asia, this is a simple answer. But in South Louisiana, it's not so simple. Um, you guys give. You tithe. You give above and beyond the tithe and offerings. We're not going to receive anything except for what we, how we normally worship God with our giving today. And when you, when you worship God with your giving, again, I'm just explaining, that money goes into a general fund. 10% of that money goes into missions fund. When you give above and beyond just the 10% the we believe is required of our gross income, if that's not what you believe, that's fine. If that's not what you're doing, then I'm concerned, but uh, you can still come and everything's okay. If you don't know how to give more than you already are, we always just encourage people to just start somewhere. Just start trusting God in, in some area or in, in, at some percentage and let him grow you from there. Because when you give, that goes into the general fund, and, and that helps us operate. Like, it helps us purchase what we need to purchase, pay for supplies that we need, salaries, wages, benefits, air conditioning. Hallelujah. You've been in a tent in the heat of the summer? I have. It's nicer in here. It's cold in here. Thank God. You're freezing, other people are sweating. Stop fussing at me. Wear more clothes, okay? I'm trying to help everybody. I have reached the pinnacle of what I can take off. Okay, that's... <laughs> put on a jacket. 
When you give here, we take 10% of that and we give $5,000 a month. And that number keeps growing. You know why? Because missionaries keep calling. Because projects keep arising. Because people need water in Kenya and Mozambique. Because, but ch because churches need coverings. And, and missionaries are starting Bible colleges in Zimbabwe. And over in Asia, where 30,000 people a day are giving their lives to Jesus and all they have is him, there are people, boots on the ground, who need our support. Because we're going to go home to the comfort and the convenience of American culture and South Louisiana society. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful for that. I don't feel bad because I'm American. And I certainly don't feel bad because I live in South Louisiana, where there are some things that you can only get here. Hashtag Boudin. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? However... Every time that we send those checks out, I think, God, multiply it. And every time another missionary calls, the first thing I do is look, what's in the account? What can we do? How can we give? And we take that and we send it out. We've bought plane tickets for crusades. Every time that you give here, I guarantee you, you will meet somebody in heaven. Somebody from Bolivia will come up to you and say, thank you for giving because you gave, I went to the crusade, and God healed my baby, and I gave Jesus my heart that day, and I was never the same again. $5,000 a month. You know we give more every month in missions than we received in offerings when I first got here? That's so scary, because the number's still the same to me. Well, it's a lower percentage. Okay, you put your name on it then. And then finally, the legacy fund and the things that God has called us to do in this house and build in this house at the same time as all the things that he's asking us to give all around the world. And so because of that, I get to share with you right now because people don't give to need. I'm not gonna stand up here and beg. People give to vision. And every time that God gives a vision, I'm gonna give it to you. And we're believing right now for somebody to write a check and pay this thing off because we need to get tied into the city sewage system so that we never have to worry about a septic system on this property for everything that God wants to do for the next 50 years should Jesus tarry. I don't want to put in tanks and, and hire uh, people to oversee that and certify it and make sure it's good. I just want to tie in. And the city doesn't have to do anything for us because we would be the only people on it. All they're going to do is adopt it and help us keep it up over the years. They are graciously allowing us to tie in. So we just came up, even though we got $100,000 in legacy, praise God. And I'm so grateful because we had people extravagantly give. I can't even tell you the stories of people that gave in the legacy fund. Single people who gave tens of thousands of dollars in one Sunday. And then people who began to just commit. And it's going to cost us $150,000 to tie in. You know what? We're going to do it. Why? Because you give. And we're going to pay for all of it. And then God's going to show us something else to do. And we're going to take out another loan. And we're going to open up more finances. And we're going to continue to build God's kingdom right here on Satig Road. Because Jesus Christ told me, I don't need a city to support a church. I need a church to support a city. And I'm going to build my kingdom come what may. 
In our men's coffee, we went over this passage, and we're actually reading it this week, this Luke chapter 16, and we were discovering that it is about way more than money. Hey, guys, just real quick, if you want to go to the Assembly of God men's website, assemblyofgod.org, ag.org slash men, then you can go and download this app. There is a plethora of devotionals. Well, I don't know what to, like, I want to spend time with Jesus. I just don't know how. No, you lazy. Go download this app and figure out how, and then you can spend time with the Lord and read and study and gather other men together and you can grow closer to God. That's the point of this whole deal. Why am I preaching this this way? Well, you'll see by the end, but number one specifically, because I believe that everything belongs to Jesus. Everything I have is his. Everything. Like I started to make it really awkward and like go into undergarments, but I decided to just leave that alone. Try to stay mature, but those are his too. Everything I have is his. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything I am and everything I have, it's his. I heard people say, and I've even said this before, and I'm not mad if you've said it. I'm just using it as an illustration or example. But I've heard people say, well, I hate a thief. Hang on. You can't hate a thief because nobody can steal something from you that's not yours. I like that phrase, and I don't operate by this. Like, it's a struggle for me. I like that. Well, I guess they needed it more than me. Man, that's a heart that's in line with what God has. You know, I believe in my provider. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And then he restored unto Job double everything that he had lost. And every time you expose the enemy, the devil owes you seven times what he took. Come on, somebody. Steal some more, because I'm about to get more back. <laughs> Everything I have belongs to Jesus. Let me say it this way. Everything I have is on loan. Everything. See, we get stingy with our time. It's not yours. It's not yours. That's mine. Oh, we never grow out of that. It's the first word we stick to, and it's the last thing we think of. Your, your, your ability... If you can sing, that's not yours. If you can play an instrument, that's not yours. Maybe some of you can dance. I can't. I try. <laughs> Just don't tell my, never mind. I don't tell my Nana I can dance. But anyways, she's missionary Baptist. You can't dance there. Or never mind. Look, whatever you can do well, think of what you do well, that's not yours. I played baseball for over half of my life. When I realized that I was doing that for the glory of myself instead of the glory of God, everything changed. And God began to use the gift to glorify himself instead of me trying to use the gift to glorify myself. See, kingdom is not self-oriented. I said kingdom is not self-oriented. Kingdom mentality understands that everything you have financially is Jesus's. Everything you have materially, everything you have emotionally, every day, every ounce of time, every talent. Remember the parable of the talents? That's not yours. God gave it to you. It's on loan. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 Jesus speaking again, he says, beware all kinds of greed. 
that you, you can be greedy with your time. You can be greedy with the gift that God has given you. And some people are. And they spend their whole lives trying to promote themselves and falling asleep in church. Beware all kinds of... He wasn't just talking about money. He wasn't talking about storing up for your 401k or your 403b if you're in ministry. There's no retirement plan in Scripture. Like... Do you work for a living or do you work for Jesus? Because you're going to have to answer that question before God. I'm going to have to answer that question. Who and what am I working for? Do I work because that's where I find my fulfillment and my success is based upon what I earn that week? Or do I work so that I can take everything I earn and invest it into the kingdom? Well, this isn't an inspirational message. Because <laughs> that went over like a carrot and a lollipop bowl at a birthday party. What am I doing with what God has given me? Because Jesus said, you need to beware being American. Not that you should feel bad for where you're raised or what you have, and it's not still okay to have nice things, but you need to beware of all kinds of greed. Did you know that the people that Jesus is talking to were way worse off than you? Way worse off than you. None of them had internet to watch live stream and stay home and rest. Now, if you really can't be here, Because I'm so tired. Are you serious? Have you carried a cross lately? We owe God everything. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If you're too tired to gather together in the name of Jesus, then you officially exhausted yourself beyond what God intended last week. And you should probably stop stealing the Sabbath and calling it energetic. Or ambitious. Come on, I'm trying. Beware all kinds of greed. Because life is not measured by possessions. That's how we measure success. That's not biblical. It's Louisianian. If you have the newest and the nicest. And you store up enough that you're able to retire early and enjoy. Why do we work all week? So that we can relax on the weekends. That's not biblical. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with some of that. I plan on retiring. I do. I, I plan on stopping work for individuals every other day just to earn a paycheck. I, I plan on that in about 30 years in the name of Jesus. But I will never stop working for Jesus. I'm not planning on retiring so I can kick up my feet and wait on heaven. Because heaven's waiting on me. And life is not measured by possession. That's just one area. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I urge you in view of God's mercy. Jesus was talking to disciples. I'm talking to disciples. And he tells the story of a rich man. And some of you are like, like they were. Well, thank God I'm not rich. He ain't talking to me. I go, hang on, hang on. Every single person in this room, young and old alike, 
has more than anybody in that circle that was listening to Jesus. Every single one of us are better off financially and physically. They likely had one robe and one pair of sandals. I can't even find places for all my junk. I tripped over shoes to get these shoes this morning. Come on, somebody. Beware all kinds. And then Paul says to people in Rome, I urge you in view of God's mercy. And we just read over this. In view of God's mercy, oh, the love of God. Oh, so sweet to trust in Jesus. These people were being pulled apart by Roman horses. Their houses were being burned if the Roman government found out that Christians were gathering there. I'm wondering if people are still going to give to the church when the government takes away the credit for giving to it. These people were being used as torches to light the streets of Nero. And Paul writes them and says, hey guys, in view of God's mercy, mercy, I lost my child for the one that I say I love. These people have imprisoned me. And Paul writes, likely from a prison cell, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Because he had written to another church, because your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. And we like to ask questions like, how far is too far? Well, you went too far when you thought you had the right to ask that question. That's how far is too far, right there. We're drawing lines up here. God spoke them way back here. Well, it's not a sin to look. Really? That's not what Jesus said. All kinds of greed. What are you putting into your body? How do you treat your body? Do you use your body to honor God? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Was your energy last week invested into life so that you could serve the kingdom and raise somebody else to life? Or were you just fixated on all your stuff and your own desires? What made you mad last week? That people all around you are going to hell or they treated you like hell? Because one of the two has got to give. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Because I see so many people walk around like that. And I love to see those people run into poles. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I don't believe in karma. I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. Come on, Eastern Transcendentalism doesn't get to steal Scripture and call it their own. Would you take those narcissists in front of the mirror? I mean, selfies. Who are we serving? That's not yours. What makes you think you have the right to post that picture or send it to people? That's not yours. If you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not, no worries. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise. You can't be arrogant and wise. Those two things don't go together. But as wise, because a wise man fears the Lord and is humble and there to use what God has given him or her to serve the kingdom. Verse 16, making the best use of the time. Because the days of the righteous are numbered by the Lord. Disease doesn't get to determine your days. Doctors don't determine your days. 
I'm thankful for modern technology. I'm thankful for medicine. I'm thankful for doctors and nurses and everybody that serves in health, as healthcare professionals. But those people can only keep me alive as long as God wants me alive. At the end of the day, God numbers my days. And when he calls my name, I'm leaving no matter how many times you try to bring me back. And then... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord because it is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. What are you doing with what he has given you even in your time? Because the days are evil. Stop complaining. Start contributing. Be a kingdom-minded person and you won't care what you're surrounded by. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each has received a gift. Well, I don't have any gifts. Oh, no, 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 no. My wife told you just a few weeks ago that you were created in the image and for the glory of God. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were knit together in your mother's womb, and the Father thought about you before the foundations of the earth. He has put gifts inside of you, and to him, you have ability, and you have anointing, you have a purpose, and he has a plan. Do not give the devil that inch to, to establish a foothold in your life that would cause you to live discouraged instead of destined. I don't have any gifts then you need to spend more time with God because he wants you to discover what he created you for and why he put what he put in you. Use it to serve one another as good. There's our word. See, I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about the fact that saved people sin way too much in regards to stewardship. So what do I do? Well, I want to encourage you to make one adjustment this week. Just one. Just one. Make one adjustment in your time. Make one adjustment in what you watch, what you listen to, what you feed, how you exercise. I don't know. Make one adjustment. One practical adjustment. That's repentance, by the way. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. That's asking forgiveness. Repentance is asking forgiveness and then going and making adjustments that are in line with the forgiveness that you just received. Why? Because number two, greed can overshadow glory. And God wants to receive glory from your life, but he cannot do that as long as you are using your life to serve your own selfish greed. He can't use my life as long as I'm serving my own selfish greed. Everything I have is his. Everything I am is his. Refer with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. I'm just referencing this. There's a general there, a commander of an army there named Naaman. And Naaman has a, 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 a flesh-eating disease referred to as leprosy. He covers it up and he conceals it. He's like a lot of church people. He's dying underneath. Come on, somebody. He's good at concealing it. He's just not good at confessing it. I ain't even got time to preach that sermon today. So Naaman goes to the king, and his king writes a letter to the king of Israel asking for Naaman's healing. And so Naaman gathers all this stuff. He, he gathers this, this huge offering of, of livestock and, and clothing and treasure, and he takes it all with him, and he goes to the king of Israel, and he hands him the letter from, the, from his king, and, and, and the king of Israel like starts tearing his clothes and, and weeping because there's no anointing in that king. And he sends him to the man of God, to Elisha, a simple man. Almost got stuck on the song. 
And Naaman comes to Elisha, and Elisha says, you know what you need to do? You need to go dip yourself in the Jordan River. And my wife referenced this story. I won't spend too much time here. But Naaman is like, the Jordan River? Why would I want to go backwards? Why would I want to dip myself? Why would I take a demotion? Why would I take a pay cut? Because that's what God told you to do. So until you learn how to obey the voice of God then you will never receive the anointing that God has for you. And one of his servants, one of his servants said, Hey, Naaman, Gotro, <laughs> if they told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? Like if they would have said, to do something magnificent or to go or to go dip in the great river or to to go get a promotion or to get paid more if they offered you a, a large offering or if they told you something significant in order to receive your healing then wouldn't you have done it well yeah Naaman says then why won't you do what God says if you would do it for that then why don't you just do it for him and let him show you what he has after you do it so Naaman does and guess what? He's healed. And he leaves. He offers the offering to Elisha. Elisha says, no, I just want God to get the glory for this one. It's not that the minister's not worth his wages. It's not that it's not okay to receive a blessing. But in this scenario, Naaman takes all his stuff home. But Gehazi goes after him. See, Elijah raised up Elisha. And Elisha performed double the miracles in double the anointing that Elijah had. And Elisha, operating in a double portion of God's anointing, is raising up this servant named Gehazi. And Gehazi goes behind Elisha's back, runs after Naaman and lies to him. He says to Naaman, hey, we've got two young prophets. He just, he just tells Naaman the need. He you got two young prophets and, and they have this great need and, 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 and I just need to take a few things and, in order to help them. And Naaman's like, oh, wow, yeah, great. You know, I, I just offered that to Elisha. So here, take it, take it all. And Gehazi comes back with all these new clothes posted on Instagram. <laughs> He's got all this treasure. I mean, his net worth and all of his stocks, they just exploded. I mean, he had to cheat his way into it, but it's just a little thing, you know? God wants me to be wealthy and taken care of, right? So Gehazi comes back and Elisha comes to him and he says, do you not think I saw what you did? The Spirit of the Lord showed me what you did. I saw how you mismanaged. I saw how you sinned in your stewardship. And I saw how you cheated your way into what you have or you became so greedy that you missed God. Elijah handed down the anointing to Elisha. And Elisha operated in a double portion of God's anointing. Gehazi gave up God's anointing in order to serve his own greed. And Elisha said, I would rather die with God's anointing than hand it down to someone who is greedy and just wants to spend it on themselves. So I can't help but think what miracle was missed because Elisha did not hand down God's anointing. See, guys, I, I can't help but think this Memorial Day weekend, what moment, 
what life, what soul, what individual, what child, what is the kingdom of God missing because we only obey God partially? What miracle has not taken place because we are more concerned with our financial status than we are our faith? Where are we missing God and what adjustment do we need to make? But here's the good news. God always hands down the anointing and God never redeems anything halfway. Jesus didn't die halfway and he's not gonna redeem you and your time and your gifting and your ability or anything else halfway. I don't want God to skip me because he couldn't trust me. But even if he can't trust me, I know that he is sovereign enough to make the anointing come to pass for the next generation anyway. We should have read, we should have read stories of a prophet that followed Elisha and did quadruple the miracles and walked in a quadruple portion of anointing. But the anointing died with Elisha. And Elisha was laid in a tomb and apparently the tomb was left open. Because God always leaves an opening. And there was a funeral procession. You can read about this in 2 Kings chapter 13. Some of you know the story and your spirit's getting excited right now. There's a funeral procession. And it doesn't even really tell a whole lot about this person or the people in the funeral procession. All we know is that they looked up and they saw Moab raiders and they were afraid. And so they took the body of their loved one and they cast it into the open grave. The problem for the enemy was at the bottom of the open grave was the bones of Elisha. And Elisha had the anointing of God stored up in his bones. Even though he passed away from an illness, he resurrected a dead man in the name of Jesus because God never misses an opportunity to do something miraculous. And I believe today, just as that dead man, come on, just as the dead man didn't deserve the anointing, come on, you don't deserve the anointing, but the dead dead man didn't work for the anointing. He didn't even pray for the anointing. He didn't beg for the anointing. He didn't earn the anointing. He didn't ask for the anointing. But God put the anointing on the dead man because he was in the right place at the right time and he happened to stumble into a righteous God. I believe God wants to anoint some people anyway today. I said I believe God wants to anoint some people anyway today. I believe there's an anyway anointing in the house this morning. I know I didn't do it right, but God's gonna anoint me anyway. I know I got selfish, but God's gonna anoint me anyway. I know I didn't make the right decision up to this point, but God's about to anoint you anyway because there is an anyway anointing that is about to spread across this place. And I refuse to believe that the anointing is laying on the bones of people that have passed before me when I could be operating in the anointing that God has for me. It's not for my glory. It's not for my self-promotion. I'm so grateful for the things that God has given me. And I'm so grateful for the people that God puts in my path. I'm so grateful that he gave Megan and I 
20,000 square feet worth of building on uh, and $80,000 in the bank on two and a half acres of land. And since then, we've bought 45 acres of land in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. And God has sent hundreds upon hundreds of people and families. I'm so grateful for what God has done. I remember one time somebody bought me a vehicle. They put me in the vehicle and they thought, and somebody said to me, man, you're blessed. And I thought, was I not blessed yesterday? I'm telling somebody, you can be blessed riding your bike if you have the right heart. You can be blessed at the mechanic shop if you have the right heart. You can be blessed when you got zero in your bank account as long as you spent what you had on serving the kingdom and investing in others. Because blessing does not follow finances. Blessing follows obedience. Come on, somebody. Number three, I love this. God brings life to all. Isn't it good to know that you don't have to be worthy? I said, isn't it good to know that you don't have to be worthy in order for God to be willing? God brings life to all. God's life is not dependent upon a recession. Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that's bigger than any economy? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that's bigger than any policy? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that stays on the throne no matter who or what happens to be in the White House or what law is passed in Congress? I came to remind the church today that Jesus Christ said, I'm going to build you no matter what hell does. So we need to start remembering that my God brings life to all at all times he's not subject to this place Ezekiel y'all had to know I was going there God always finds a way come on it's just a matter of whether we get to be a part of it or not God's gonna pay for it God's gonna provide it God's gonna produce it it's just a matter of whether you get to be a part of it or whether you look back and wish you would have God always finds a way. My wife told me a vision. If you will, go there with me. She said she, God speaks to her this way. When I start thinking stuff like this, I just, I don't, I, he just doesn't speak to me this way. I, he confuses me if that happens. But she said she had a vision. And she, was, she was going over Acadiana, specifically this community. And everywhere she looked, she saw dry bones. I'm looking around at people that I didn't know five and a half years ago. I'm looking around at people right now who were dead, dry and thirsty five and a half years ago. And Megan said that she saw, I came into her vision and we locked arms. Did you notice that God used her to lead the way and I just got to be a part of it? <laughs> That's a smart husband, you need to write that down. And when we locked arms, she saw some dry bones come to life. And then somebody else joined us. And another couple locked arms on one side of me and another couple locked arms on the other side of her and more dry bones came to life. 
And the more people that began to lock arms in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, the more bones of Acadiana that began to come to life. I came to wake up the anointing inside of your bones this morning because there are some lives that are waiting on you to realize what God has already put inside of you. The church, come on, the church is unintentionally committing the same atrocity of complacency that Israel was. When Ezekiel prophesied to Israel, they were the mistress of the Babylonian Empire even though they were not captive to them yet because they were serving the same gods. They were finding fulfillment and security in the same things. Anytime that we begin to pursue greed and earthly treasure over God and kingdom treasure, we become like the world and that makes us the mistress of Lucifer himself because Lucifer always traded the glory of God for self-promotion come on and you cannot commit the sin of Lucifer and inherit the kingdom of God however the Bible also says but those who endure to the end church I know I'm taking too much time but I got to warn you I got something in my spirit this morning I'm telling you there's persecution on the way unlike we've ever seen before in America now they're seeing it all around the world but in America there is persecution coming that you've never seen before you think 2020 I don't know if it's in 10 months or 10 years and I'm not trying to scare you I'm trying to prepare you we're gonna do what God tells us to do no matter what happens out there but you need to get ready for it not to be popular for you to serve Jesus with everything that you have in fact you need to get ready I'm calling I'm telling you you better train your children to learn how to serve Jesus with everything they have even though it's harder legitimately harder to serve him with everything that they have than it would be to just join them with just a little bit we are coming to a day I'm telling you I sense it where there is persecution and there is trial just because I'm a follower of Jesus. But aren't you glad that James said, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having withstood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised. Ezekiel, hear me, Ezekiel was led by the Spirit of the Lord into a valley. I don't like valleys. I like mountains. I like platforms. Come on, I like it when everything, I like it when gas is low and prices are low and interest rates are low. Come on, somebody. That's what I like. But the Bible says that Elisha, I'm sorry, Ezekiel was taken by the Spirit of God into a valley. Why? Because when you're on the mountain, all you do is look around. But when you're in the valley, all you can do is look up. Are you in a valley today? Are you in a valley emotionally? Are you in a valley spiritually? Are you in a valley financially? Are you in a valley physically? Congratulations. I came to tell somebody today, there is vision in the valley. If you keep looking up, then God will show you why he has you there. And in that valley, God gave Ezekiel a vision. And I prophesy the vision of Ezekiel over this house today. The Bible says in Ezekiel 37 verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. God, I pray that your hand would be upon us right now. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of a valley and he filled it with dry bones. 
He put me around death and despair. Verse 2, he led me around among the death and despair. And behold, there were very many on the surface, surface of the valley. And behold, they were all very dry. They were Bible Belt believers. My bad, I stepped in something right there. That, there ain't nothing more dry than a complacent Christian. I'd rather have an unbeliever than an arrogant believer. Surrounded by dry, dead, despairing bones. Verse 3, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones. I came to tell somebody today, stop complaining. I came to tell somebody today, stop whining. I came to tell somebody today, stop proclaiming the lies of the enemy and start prophesying the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the death, in the lowest part of the valley. And he said, I know what you're surrounded by, but I know what's inside. Start prophesying on the inside and you'll start seeing on the outside. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I came to my house. I know it's not the way that I want it to be. I came to Eunice and it wasn't where I wanted it to be and it's still not. But I came to prophesy in the name of Jesus the word of the Lord over the elementary schools in this place. I came to prophesy in the name of Jesus the word of the Lord over every workplace represented in this room. Over every house and over every family. Oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded by God. It is not the anointing of me. It is the anointing that he has for me and as I prophesied there was a sound and the bones began to rattle and in the rattling the bones began to come together in the shaking and the stirring bone to bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath because God wanted to do a greater work than just the surface level that most people are satisfied with and he said you got it right on the surface, but I'm about to get it right down on the inside. I'm about to breathe life into the lifeless places. You're not just going to look right. You're going to live right in the name of Jesus. God is going to speak to the dry bones and the breathless body. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds and breathe. Breathe on these who have been slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet an exceedingly abundant army of a whole lot of people with locked arms causing dry bones to come back to life and live for Jesus all around oh as if I'm not hurting enough I'm gonna hurt myself in this final closing I've done had four of them but I'm gonna have one more just for the sake of time I came today to call the gifts of God back to life in the church of God I came today to call gifts of entrepreneurial leadership I came back today to call the leadership that God has invested in people I came today to call gifts of hospitality that the church would meet the need of every longing I came to this place this morning
morning and I'm calling back the gifts of extravagant generosity in every area of your life that God would use you in ways that you haven't even asked him to use you I came today in the name of Jesus to call back the gift of prayer and intercession that when people call upon you you call down heaven for them I came today in the name of Jesus to reawaken the gifts in Romans chapter 12 and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 I prophesy this morning that the gift of wisdom would come back into the women and the men of God I came to prophesy today that the gift of knowledge would come back into the people of God that the gift of discernment that you would know what to say and when to say it and you would know when to shut up and when not to say it I came to prophesy today the gift of healing back into the house of the people of God the gift of miracles coming from the hands of the saints I came today to prophesy not for the prophet of people or the prophet from people but the gifting of prophecy that would be alive and well that you would be able to follow the Holy Spirit as he guides you into all truth and you would be able to speak to things that haven't even happened yet I came today in the name of Jesus to call back into the house of God the gift of tongues that is supposed to be a sign to the unbeliever not to scare or to confuse see people are confused by the counterfeit but they are attracted to the authentic we're gonna need the gifts of the Holy Spirit for what God wants us to do and if you don't need the gift then you might not be doing what God wants oh I prophesy the interpretation today that you wouldn't have to go to a preacher and ask him what this means that you could just go to the Spirit and he'd tell it to you that you could go to the prophet or the pastor the evangelist or the apostle and just have confirmation of what God has already called you to that we wouldn't just have the gifts but that we would hand them down the gifts are not for me I'm so grateful but the gift is not for me it's for every person that God puts around me starting with my bride and my babies and spreading out from there to the people closest oh god don't let me have a gift that i'm not gonna hand down i dare you to pray that prayer today don't let me have anything else that i think is gonna serve my own selfish desire or my personal success come on see because people of god kingdom people they serve God with open hands. This is not for me. It's all for him. <laughs>